Hey, I'm Lynn Rogala. And I'm Allie Diliberto, and we are coming to you from the ladies' room. So we can talk about removing stupid, frustrating, and toxic shit from the world in a way that's not prim enough for the dinner table. Okay, welcome back to the ladies' room. Woo! But, but now I'm feeling a little hostile because we just had to stop and restart because of the audio. So now I'm not as excited. Well, I mean, be hostile toward, toward yourself because you say all the time, I'm going to get a new mic and then you don't. But I don't think it had anything to do with my AirPods. I don't know what to tell you. All right. I'm just hostile. I guess it's that kind of a day. It's been Maybe raining here. Just crabby and cranky. So once I had, the, I used to have this friend or maybe this, I, we weren't really close friends, but when we were, um, when I was first married with the little kids, like years and years ago, this friend of our, like in our friend group had um, one arm and she had six children and she had gotten pregnant with every single child on a different form of birth control. Like they were all like, no, we definitely don't want a child right now. And she told me, and they had a farm and she said that she would take chicken eggs and go in the bathroom and throw them as hard as she could in the shower <laughs> when she needed to like vent and I feel like I I feel like that's that kind of day like those are the kind of pointers you need for the kind of day I feel like yeah like when my sister Plus, if you have about- six kids I mean you probably know everything about frustration yeah seriously like getting your frustration <laughs> out yeah sometimes <laughs> you just have to like Like sometimes you just have to whisper like you little asshole when your kid is across the room. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Did your sister say that? No, she said something else, but I was reading, (laughs) I read a tweet this week where a guy said, you know, we need to normalize calling our kids assholes and not making parents feel ashamed for it because (laughs) my daughter just dead air, dead ass death stared me while she poured a cup of juice on the floor after I told her not to come on she's an asshole (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's pretty fantastic you little asshole um I mean just because they're little doesn't mean they can't be dicks right it's true they can like you remember before you had kids you're like they're all so sweet or really interactive kids you're like they're so sweet and innocent and you're like yeah no this one has an evil streak trust me yeah I mean they're people They try to get away with stuff. And my grandpa used to love to tell a story of a kid getting um, made to sit in the corner who said, I may be sitting down on the outside, but inside I'm standing up. (laughs) That was like a (laughs) four-year-old. Yes. I've seen that. Inside I'm standing up. Yeah. Unhappy. All right. I was just thinking the other day, the challenge of raising. uh, So I'm raising a daughter that I want to help me smash the patriarchy but I also want her to, um, you know, make it through school and have opportunities after school. And so there's a line (laughs) of like rule break between rule breaking and misbehaving that is pretty narrow to walk, you know, for a 13 year old girl. So that's one of the challenges. Okay. I'm really happy you said patriarchy because Yesterday, I came across something I bought you like in the summer, and because it was too chaotic, I haven't mailed it. But now I'm going to tell you about it. Okay. So it's are like you taping little... something? What are you doing? What I had to you... open the what I so I could read it. Okay. Got it's it. like a little. I'm sorry. It's a little book. Of, I won't do it again. It's a little book of postcards, 
And it's about, they're called feminist postcards, which of course I wouldn't like normally anyway, but um, they're like a set of just like really, I don't know, maybe I was slap happy when I bought it because it really struck me as like really, really fantastic. And they're just like snarky as shit little postcards. So, and they're all about the patriarchy. So I'm very um, excited. Yeah, I knew you would love it. So I was like, okay, this is perfect. Um, And but then yesterday I was reading it and it says, and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to talk to Lynn about this. It says, what is the patriarchy? The patriarchy is a system where men, just by being male, control the majority of power in a society, our society, to the exclusion of women. Here are eight ways you can push back and promote gender equality. And I was like, holy fucking shit. If this is the narrow view that we're going to take of anything that has as complex as patriarchy and this is how we're going to like advocate for it like we're totally fucked yeah I don't agree it's such a complex problem holy Mm -hmm. shit and not even like this is our opinion and then I'm going to read you the eight ways but go ahead and I'll let you respond is there anything else you want to say about that other than you don't agree with it well I was going to say that um if it was I feel like like you said it's way too simplistic because if you define the patriarchy as men have power and women don't, you miss so much nuance because men are hurt by the patriarchy as well. And it's not all men who have power. In fact, that's one of the things we were going to talk about today on the podcast, which I'll tuck in my pocket while we go through your eight things. But um, (laughs) I'm sorry that I had to riff about this. I was literally like, I can't wait to talk to Lynn about this. And now we're talking. So it's perfect. It's perfect. But it's, um, it's really so much more about like how power gets consolidated. Um, and in the patriarchy, the yes. people who consolidate it are men, but it's not like all men have power in the patriarchy because we've talked about how the patriarchy harms men as well, because things like you're not allowed to have feelings other than anger. And if you, I mean, there's a whole thing happening right now where um, some people in the Republican party are making fun of this guy in Congress who's taking paternity leave. Um, wow. Yeah. And they're like, you know, men don't have to take paternity leave because women are breastfeeding anyway. So what's the point? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, the fuck, man. That's oh my and, and how damaging to men, not just women. It's a shitty view towards women, of course. But here's a dad who wants to take time off for this newborn. And people are like, nah, I mean, you don't have boobs, so you don't need to take time. Like, are you kidding me? And, and a lot of these people saying this have um, children and people are like, they're poor wives, they're poor kids. If that's truly, if it's not just an act. So I don't agree that it's like, that's how, that's like a flash card of the patriarchy. Men are in charge and women aren't. Okay. Right. Two. Just because they're men. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. That is, I mean, okay. Also they were born into a system and built into a system that also women supported the shit out of not that yeah. women haven't been victimized but women tear down women more than men do a lot of times and especially when it comes to business and family and all those kinds of things and so and I mean society anything social and it's just fascinating I mean I was just like just because they're men wait or because there's literally millennia of these structures and we're going to not listen to someone just because they're men and just because they're whatever. It kind of reminded me of a comment. I don't even remember where I heard it, but you and I were riffing a couple weeks ago by ourselves, which we'll probably eventually do here about um, 
uh, like different, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank millennials and gen X and like, what I'm, what's the just different generations. I totally yeah. blanked the word generations, but, um, and you were talking about how millennials are like, it's our turn, you know, like we need to have representatives and it's some of the same perspective. I mean, aside from skipping Gen X and leadership, but I was like, just cause the old guys got there, you know, like, and the old women in Congress or wherever they were talking about, I was like, they didn't just wake up and get there. Like this is established on something else. And like, you don't just wake up and get there. Like there are still systems and structures and like, if you just address like, well, you're an old guy. And so you don't have anything valuable. Like, and I think that's the way we're thinking more and more like, Oh, I remembered what it was. It was, um, there's all these, um, uh, protests happening or have you read about this around, um, uh, climate, climate change issues in Europe somewhere. Okay. And that was the big thing. Like their majority are women um, of the protesters like there was what was fascinating wasn't that there were protests but they were mostly women and mostly um like millennials and that was a big thing is like well we don't have any power because we're women and we're young and you're like well um you shouldn't just get all the power because you fucking feel like it either like there's still systems and pro- I just think it was so interesting and it's kind of like I don't know does removing the patriarchy mean that we don't have a balanced, a balanced system that's growing and progressing. Like then it's only women because it's like, quote, our turn. Like, I don't think that's justice. No, I agree. It's if we replaced a patriarchy with a matriarchy, I don't think, well, and that's kind of what we were going to talk about today too, right? Is like consolidating power and how there's always people who want to consolidate power. And no matter what system you're in, someone's going to figure it out. I mean, there are systems that tend toward justice and there are systems that tend towards oppression, but in any system, a person who is hell bent on dominating is going to figure out how to game it. Right. Right. For sure. Okay. So do you want to hear the eight ways to fight? Yes. But before you tell me the eight ways, I have to say also about the post-its that we've talked on here, that we've talked about on here, the, I'm a grown ass lady and I do what I want post-its that yeah, I said to you, so I had to, <clears throat> sorry, we're having all this work done on the house. We're almost done. And there's been some tension between me and some of the people, um, n- nothing openly hostile, but there's been some tension and we have a lockbox that the contractors used to get into the house and it broke and I had to get a new one and I had to put the new one in a new location. I couldn't put it in the old location. And I had to leave a post-it that says like, it's in this new location. And I was looking through my grown ass lady post-its and I was like, I can't, there's already a little bit of tension between me and these people. And if I leave um, a post-it that says (laughs) my very last fuck just went to lunch and it says where the new fuck, that's maybe a little more so um, assertive than you want to yeah I I didn't so I ended up I'm a grown-ass lady and I do what I want was like the least um, (laughs) like you should see my active bitch face like I don't want (laughs) to leave a post-it that says the new lockbox is on the back door comments have been disabled (laughs) fantastic all right well I feel like we should so I couldn't find regular you hardly find a piece of paper you just find anything so i had to use my grown-ass lady the, the okay, new- well one of these postcards 
says I'm a grown ass lady and I do what I want, which is part of why I was so attracted to buying this for you. Were they from the same people? Was it um, Emily McDowell and friends? No, I don't think so. Okay. Mm, oh yeah. Yeah, it is. So I guess I'm going to have to write them a letter about how stupid uh, this is and how dumb it is to tell women this stuff. My God. Okay. First, probably I won't do that, but the first thing it says is memorize your representative's phone numbers and use them. Like, all right. I, I mean, write them down. that's not terrible, but like, yeah, I mean, you know, sharing, like speaking up, showing your voice. That one's not terrible, I guess. Support organizations working for gender equality. And again, like, okay. But I mean, again, it's too blank. Like, oh, are you supporting also, I just don't feel like most organizations that are promoting women's issues are really promoting gender equality and like addressing anything like in a very full circle way. Although I'm sure there are some good organizations out there. I, it's not what comes to mind. Here's where I got like irate. Hold boys and men accountable for their actions. Boys will be boys. Shouldn't be an excuse. So I agree. Boys will be boys is kind of bullshit or total bullshit. I also think like the ever loving fuck, like, why would you say hold boys and men accountable for their actions? Like, why wouldn't you talk about human beings, like speak up, address issues on both sides of the fence? Like you can't only go after one group of people. I don't know, because we're starting to diverge here because, um, because that's where the imbalance is right? Because it's, you're kind of getting into all lives matter territory. Like when we talked about black lives matter and people said all lives matter, it's like, well, yeah, all lives matter, but that's not what we're talking about right now, because we're talking about the fact that people act like black lives don't matter. And so saying all lives matter was like rude because that's not what we're talking about. So for the most part inside the patriarchy, men and boys do get away with shit and women don't like we're held accountable not only, not always, there's always exceptions, but in the gross uh, um, brush strokes, we're held accountable often for more. Like when we talked on the previous podcast about like a guy who threw a chair across the room and everyone's like, oh, that's just his way. But if you get like choked up in a meeting or even upset, like, oh, women are so emotional. And so they're, they're talking about the imbalance of how we're held accountable versus how men are. Um, and I think that one is actually- but I don't fair. think we speak up the shitty stuff that women do either that we all hate that tends to be more female example i don't know like i mean i i guess my general feeling is that people don't speak up against things that they don't like in general and i think like the sort of like what you're saying like those incidents for sure. But there's plenty of women who are conniving and doing awful shit in the office and workspace and gossiping and doing all kinds of stuff that like, everybody's just like, you know, if that's just goes on like it is too. And I don't think that's right either. No, but I don't, but that's not the conversation they're having. Right. Like you can't take on every, if you're going to take on, like, say you're going to fight human sex trafficking and somebody comes and goes, well, what about labor trafficking? Well, that's bad too, but I'm talking about sex trafficking right now. That's more how I hear it. Also, I have to tell you about something I read um, about boys will be boys that made me laugh so hard because okay. um, they, this, I was reading this thing that said boys will be boys has been used lately to justify like horrific behavior, 
like, you know, sexual assault and stuff like that. And she's like, no, boys will be boys is when you come home and find that your teenage son and all of his friends have covered the slip and slide with mayonnaise and they're calling it the miracle <laughs> weapon slide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's totally. boys will be boys. And I don't want to get rid of that. And I love that she made that distinction, right? Like boys will be boys used to be something cute, right? Like, um, my, <laughs> one of my aunts has th- three sons and my dad was laughing because when, when they were growing up together, um, she always liked everything all neat and clean. And then they had three sons and they lived like near a swamp. And he said, I saw one time her boys come inside and open, take off their boot and dump like two (laughs) cups of swamp water straight on the kitchen floor. And she's like, "Uh, all right. And (laughs) that is more boys will be boys, right? Like the miracle whip inside, right? That and, but not you get to do get away with whatever bad behavior. So, I mean, you can't, you can't hold people accountable to solve every problem in the context of solving one problem. Like, oh, you want to hold boys to account? Well, what about women? I mean, that's just like a shitty. Like, I know, a, but I still feel like the premise. I don't know. The I guess it's just the premise that I still. And maybe it's because I'm a mom of boys too. Like, I have this kind of defensiveness about the world that I think they're gonna grow up in. That is, you know, like you're less valuable because you're. And we certainly see a lot of things that are concerning around gender issues with with boys in school and all kinds of other things. Yeah. And I would say, actually, that's just another example of um, like systems of dominance, which like, like really, so this is not what we were going to talk about. And I don't know how deep we want to get into it, but like the patriarchy also is layered in with colonialism which has Mm -hmm. a hierarchy baked into it. Um, And so any kind of system that's based around hierarchical power structures is going to have exploitation, domination, um, uh, whatever else you want to say. And it's baked into the cake. And so if you're taking it on, you kind of have to take it on little by little rather than, I I don't know, I'm kind of squirreling, but- Fine. We'll go on to the next one, which actually you already basically said, reject the patriarchy's definition of masculine masculinity. Men suffer from patriarchy too, mm-hmm. but by being taught that quote, real men don't show emotions. So we already covered that one and I don't disagree. Maybe it's only the definition of the patriarchy that makes me want to pull my hair out. Yeah. It's too um, simplistic. Right. Because what really Con- the way I would def- define the patriarchy is, I mean, even this is too doesn't have enough texture, but it's like a hierarchical system of domination that's been created over millennia for a few men to consolidate power over everyone else. Because the patriarchal system exploits men's labor and um, their, you know, all the things like, well, we can launch soon into the thing we were going to talk about, but like the, the people at the top of the patriarchy are men, but there's only a few of them and they're exploiting the other men in it just as much as the women in it. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, we're halfway through the list, mate. So let's see. Consciously value your own qualities of sensitivity, intuition, and vulnerability. The patriarchy dismisses the value of our tender qualities. So we learn to quash them, especially at work. So I will say, I think that's bullshit. Like, because 
I don't, I mean, everybody that knows me knows there's not that much sensitivity to start with. And that doesn't have anything to do with the patriarchy. I mean, I think assuming that women are sensitive and tender and whatever is also kind of bullshit. And that's yeah. what they're saying. So they're that actually, one I don't like. They're actually buying. So I would say, actually, um, you were reminding me when you started this list of a conversation that's happening in my coaching community which is that the contributions of women are undervalued in the patriarchy and in the colonial systems. Um, and where it shows up, in fact, it's really interesting because it shows up in the mouths of other women when, so <laughs> the context of this conversation is the coaching industry. And a thing that happens really commonly in the coaching industry is like some kick-ass coach will put out her mastermind and say, this mastermind is like $5,000 for six months. And always there'll be someone be like, you're charging too much. You're keeping people away. There's people who can't afford this and it's so bad. And you should do this for free because so many people, blah, 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 blah. Right. And the conversation that was happening in the coaching world is number one, it's only women who ever say that. I've never heard a man right. say that. And they only ever say it to other women. And one of the coaches that I'm, you know, in community with had the most brilliant response, which basically boiled down to um, the fact that women can't afford to pay for this is part of our work being traditionally undervalued. And I won't participate in that by undervaluing my own work. <laughs> and I thought that was, right. I mean, it was a much longer response. And then it led to this whole conversation where someone else, you know, another coach in the same community was saying, um, so part of it is that the kinds of work that women traditionally do, which is like the more like you, I, and I agree with you, like not all women are sensitive or whatever, but like traditionally the work of nurses, the work of teachers, the work of, you know, whatever right. is undervalued because it is traditionally women's work. But she said, what's even more threatening to the existing power structure is that women are standing up and demanding to be paid for their intellectual capital. And that is absolutely not permitted inside the patriarchy. So I don't agree yeah. with the way they phrase that one. I think again, way too simplistic, like value your sensitiveness. No value. Your contribution is just yeah. as valuable as anyone else's contribution, even if it looks different because you're a woman. Right. That's really good. I'll skip one because this is what you literally just said. Fight for better pay for professions seen as women work, such as teaching and childcare or whatever. So that's like right. exactly what you were just saying. Um, and I don't know if I'm really, that one I would have to put, I guess, personally put some more thought into, because I don't know if that's like, I per, everyone's going to hate me. I personally don't really know if teachers are super underpaid. Like I will, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of benefits for teachers and a lot of professions. Like, I don't know anybody that gets the kind of time off. Yeah. They work super hard, but I don't even know. I don't know. I've never thought of teaching as women's work, but anyway, it is traditional um, women's work. And I, in Arizona, at least it is, it is criminally underpaid. Um, even if you take into account the amount of time they get off um, the amount of education, like people with master's degrees, um, making like $15 an hour. It, it's, that's not okay. That riffs into our next discussion <laughs> about college. We'll save that one. Um, okay. Then I'll go back to the next one, which is if you're a decision maker for your company, hire and promote women. Like, I don't know. Like, do you, I get, that's almost like, um, it, that lands for me as like a quota, like, well, if I hire and promote just a few more women than men, it's fine. Like, I mean, that's bullshit. Like we should be hiring and promoting and investing in people based on 
you know, who they are and what they're going to contribute. And I don't really, I don't have any problem with a woman who's in leadership, like mentoring another, other women and like intentionally like the conversation you had with the girl about her skirt, you know, like this isn't really appropriate in our world, but, and investing in like how she's going to get ahead in her career. But that's really different than, well, I need to promote that girl because she's wearing a skirt. Yeah. Well, and, and to give proper context, so, <laughs> do you like, how I just stopped yeah, you're like, there, cause you talked to her about your, her skirt, which makes me sound like part of the problem. Um, I talked to her about all of like, well, and she approached you also, but she way. approached me, right. I didn't offer her and she approached me and it was a lot more subtle then it wasn't like you're dressing too slutty. It was more that she was dressing in the wrong tone. Like, um, I don't want to talk about this one person. I'll talk about somebody else. Like a long, long time ago, I and, and um, she used to sometimes wear velvet cocktail dresses to work. <laughs> and, and, it, and they weren't like revealing or anything like that, but it was just weird. Like it wasn't, right. It, it, it was as inappropriate as like a bathing suit or, and again, not inappropriate because a bathing suit was too revealing. Like imagine that you wore a bathing suit with like a beach cover up and a big straw hat that was completely like all your skin was covered or whatever, like a muumuu and flip flops. <laughs> it would still right. look really bizarre in the office place. And it's a super fine line because, um, women, and I want to get back to what you were saying about hiring and promoting women, because I agree with that more than you probably do, but there's a nuance to it, but it's women walk a super fine line when it comes to dressing at work. Um, and there's this concept. Right. Called, and I think that um, gets unfair too. Yeah. There's a, there's this concept called marked and unmarked choices. Um, so one of the ways that people, and it's not, it's not always men versus women. Cause sometimes women have the unmarked choice too, but a one one kind of like really difficult to quantify area of privilege is if you can make an unmarked choice in a situation where other people have to make a marked choice. And what that means, what an unmarked choice is, is a choice that doesn't mean anything. So one of the best examples of it is um, when you get married, men have an unmarked choice to not change their name. If they don't change their name, no one assigns any meaning to that at all. They, it's like a neutral choice as far as society is concerned. But whatever choice a woman makes, there's a meaning attached to it. Whether she changes her name, keeps her name or hyphenates or whatever, each one of those has some kind of like listening attached to it by society of what it means about her. Like if she changes right. her name to her husband's name, she's more traditional. If she keeps her name, she's less traditional. If she hyphenates, she's this, whatever. Um, so men have an unmarked choice and women have a marked choice. So that's the distinction. So when it comes to work, um, men have much more unmarked choices of getting dressed. Like if you're at a business casual um, workplace, they would wear like khakis and a polo or khakis and a button up shirt. And that would be the end of the day. And it's unmarked, like mm -hmm. no one would remark on that. But women don't have an unmarked choice um, in that same situation. Like, do I wear jeans? Do I wear slacks? Do I wear a jacket? Do I wear a blouse? Do I wear a uh, a shirt, a sleeveless shirt. Do I wear a shirt with sleeves? Do I wear jewelry? Whatever. So our choices at work for how we dress are marked. Um, and it's not to say that there's like not a way to navigate that, but it takes a lot more mental energy to navigate it. So even this woman that I was, you know, consulting right. with where I'm like, Hey, the way you're dressing, it's, 
it's not inappropriate, but it just has a meaning that I don't think you want to be conveying. And it's not fair that that meaning is assigned, but you look weird. And so I want to help you look more neutral or more whatever. And even then it's like, we even had a long conversation of like, this is still participating inside a system that's bullshit, but the reality is the system exists and it's going to hurt your career if you don't figure out how to navigate this. So let me help you, you know, figure that out was kind of the more, it was way more, but then there were men in the office who were like, your skirt's too short, which fuck them. That's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Your top's too tight. Your skirt's too right. short. But, but to get back to the one you said about hiring and promoting women, um, what you just said of, oh, we should be, you know, looking for people who, for who they are as a person, whatever, that is really tricky because um, there's been multiple studies to show that even when it comes to having women's having their work evaluated, they're judged much more harshly. They're much more likely to have um, negative things show up in their performance reviews versus men having positive things in their performance reviews. They're much more likely to be called like aggressive instead of assertive, bossy instead of shows leadership potential, like all those things. So I agree right. with you that I- But that's I, also even true, even if the evaluator is female. I know. And that, that's so that's crazy. why they're saying like, you have to be much more intentional about hiring and promoting to like get around. I had to have that conversation with someone on my team too, where he was saying uh, like a former team that I had was like, you know, we need to like find a good culture fit or whatever. And I said, okay, we have to be really careful with that because if we look at culture, it depends on what you mean by culture, right? Like, are we looking for men? Um, Because that's what you feel comfortable with. Like, it's one thing to say a good cultural fit is like, we tend to be cooperative. We tend to um, help each other out. We tend to be casual. We tend to be whatever. Um, Have a stay at home moms. I'm just kidding. I was intentionally crossing that one. <laughs> but um, I mean, even I'm getting a little off track, but like that whole idea of it's not just about quotas. It's about like overcoming your own bias to say, I really should give every woman that comes across my desk a second look to make sure I'm evaluating her fairly. Um, and this isn't quite the same thing, but it's related that they did a study where um they were interviewing women for software positions and in the rooms that they, you know, walked through some rooms were covered with like gamer posters and stuff more like that. And then another room was decorated more neutrally, just, you know, landscapes or whatever. And the women, they, and then they interviewed them. Like, do you feel like you would fit in here? This feels like a place where I would be comfortable or whatever, they felt so much more comfortable in the rooms that were more neutrally decorated because the rooms decorated with, you know, big gamer posters and stuff like that was more, it made it feel like more of a male space. Right. So that one's tricky. Like, like I agree with you that quotas don't help, but to say, oh, we should just hire, like meritocracy is a lie. Um, and so say we should hire I only don't know on merit. What that means when you use oh mer- I thought you said something else. No, merit meritocracy. I was um, hitting fat baby really intensely and listening to you, but then I was like, wait, what'd you say? Yeah, fat baby took all your attention. I understand he's adorable. He <laughs> he's would never part- he would never participate in the patriarchy. That's one of the best things about fat baby. <laughs> <laughs> he is just at the top of his own little patriarchy. Right. He's a, like a fat baby archie. Yeah. There you go. A fat baby archie. <laughs> <laughs> but 
it's really like bringing intentional awareness to, okay, if I have a woman's resume in front of me, just getting that resume in front of me, she already probably had to jump through more hoops than to get a man's resume in front of me. Um, and so I should, especially like, I, I always look at it through the, I've worked for years in a male dominated profession. So, um, I always look at it more through that, that, the lens of that kind of profession. So if a woman's resume lands on my desk, she probably already had to be better than the guy's resumes that land on my desk. That's just statistically right. shown to be true. And so I should really look and look for, um, I mean, this is also why a lot of states are starting to pass laws, making it illegal for um, companies to ask about your salary history during the interview process, because all that does is um, perpetuate yeah, that women and people of color are traditionally underpaid. And so if you go off salary history, any place you've been underpaid just follows you around for the rest of your life. It's bullshit. Yeah, I like that. That's way better than a quota. No, I think that's Open this can of worms. What do you, but what do you say to people who are like, just burn it all, like burn it all down. Like women, like promote every woman, you know, demote every man, remove every man from power. Like that is for sure a perspective and given the imbalance, like, what do you do? It's a pretty extremist perspective. I mean, I think you keep having the conversations right about nuance about, you know, pointing out like, what about this? And what about that? There's my Libra rising coming out. Yeah. And especially since women aren't as likely to be assholes, it'll probably be okay. Right. Like, like a woman hiring manager who's keeping men out. um, That's not statistically a huge problem in our current culture. And if that becomes a problem, or if we need to prevent that as a problem, fine, but that's not happening. Like that's just not a thing. Um, fat baby's now irate because I put him down so I could read the last thing. <laughs> so this is essentially, again, what you already referred to, but I think it's good. Assess your inner patriarchy. For example, one side effect of growing up in the patriarchy is that you're unconsciously trained to trust and value men's authority more than women's. If it feels true to you, change it. If it feels true, I don't know what that means, but I don't, I don't know. I guess it's okay. It's fine. I mean, I think the, go ahead. Well, it's just like, I was so funny. I was thinking about this, just, I don't remember why, but I was on a walk. I was listening to something and I was like, yeah, I totally buy into men being the default. Like even as a woman, I buy into men being the default, like that. Well, don't you also buy into like women being the default parent? Almost always. Right but that's not what I'm talking about. Women are, I know, apparently I'm talking about men (laughs) men being, but that's part of it, isn't it? No, well, no, it totally is, but that's reality. I'm talking about that. There's a conversation that men are human and women are a variant. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, for real. Like, I know, but it just makes me laugh when you say it like a variant, but that's how it's treated. Like in medical research, um, for years, only until recently, and even still, there's not that much. They would only study men because women's periods would like fuck everything up. Other oh, periods are just such a pain in the ass. Like this idea that um, I think I was listening to something about nap pods or something, and like the um, oh, I know what it was is that Riley wasn't feeling very well because of where she was in her cycle, and she was like extra tired. And I'm like, yeah, because school is set up 
inside a, a male circadian rhythm, which is a daily rhythm or a male hormonal rhythm, which is a daily rhythm rather than a monthly rhythm. And there's all this accommodation for like an afternoon slump, but not an accommodation for, I just feel like shit today. And today I wish I didn't have to do anything. And that, that like our, all of our workday, like 40 hour, nine to five, all of that is set up around, like, it's all just made up, but it's made up with the idea that men are human and women are weird. And I buy into that. I mean, I don't believe it, but I buy into it. It's just like, I have to consciously all the time. um, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast. One of the two things that I do um, to consciously work on my systemic racism that I'm bought into. Um, And this isn't me trying to brag or like the solution (laughs) of everything, but there's two things that I do like that I've adopted as practices, which is anytime I'm talking to a black woman, I tell myself how beautiful she is because I have received thousands, tens of thousands of messages over the course of my lifetime. Like our brain just believes whatever we tell it. So Mm -hmm. my brain has received thousands and tens of thousands of messages over my lifetime that black women are not beautiful. And it's just made up. It's not true but it's just made up. But there's some part of me that believes it because I've been told it so many times that my brain is like, oh yeah, that's just true. Right. So when I'm talking to a black woman or watching one on a movie or something, I talk to myself about how beautiful she is. Right. And I sometimes will tell her like, depending on the situation, right. I don't just tell a random, (laughs) um, like I've been sitting here just really admiring your eyes or whatever it is that I'm admiring. Right. That's one. And then the other one is I seek out and watch. This only works for other women to say, by the way, you cannot use this. It'd be creepy. Um, (laughs) I seek out and watch, um, like videos and, um, and pictures and memes and stuff of, um, black men with their children and talk to myself about what good fathers they are. Because again, I've received thousands, tens of thousands of messages over my lifetime that black men are not good fathers, that they're dangerous, that they leave, blah, blah, blah. And I've internalized that. I don't believe it. Like if you ask me, do you believe that black men are bad fathers? I would say, no, of course not. But inside me, there's some systemic part that's been trained to believe that. And so I tell, I like, oh, look at how sweet and tender he's being with his daughter or son or whatever. Isn't that cute? just a way to reprogram myself. So to get back to the patriarchy, like I have to constantly remind myself, oh wait, this was set up as if men are the default and women are weird. Like we don't need, like even, um, even something like having a nursing room. I had to fight for that one time. I wasn't even the pregnant one. It was somebody else who was, I had just come back to work and she was pumping and she had to pump in the bathroom on the toilet. And I went into my boss's office and I'm like, the fuck, like she pumps on the toilet. That is disgusting. Why can't we get her a room? And I had to really fight. And even that is like, it was like weird, you know, oh, we need, we need this special accommodation for, you know, well, as if she had some kind of disability, right? Like, right. Like making sure that you can get a wheelchair through your door. I mean, not to say that people with wheelchairs aren't fully human, but it is more of like a deviation from what is typical, but more than half of the population is women. So why is the stuff that we need like a deviation? Why is, why is there toilet paper, but not pads and tampons at the corporate office? Right. 
because men need toilet paper, but they don't need pads and tampons. In fact, if men didn't need toilet paper, like if they only peed or whatever, we probably wouldn't have toilet paper <laughs> wouldn't have in the bathroom. Bring either. that with us too. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. a good. So um, anyway, so, so it's not really about quotas, but it's about, and, and you said the second one, like constantly checking inside yourself and saying, and even subtle things like, like people who say, well, women should be in charge instead of men. They're actually internalizing the, the patriarchal hierarchy of someone needs to be in charge. Right. Getting yeah. all fired up. I mean, off. I know, listen to you go. Okay. So I don't, I don't know. This only relates because I'm mildly amused by it, but Jacob, my youngest son is 17 and he is, he's always been my most sensitive child. Like he's the kind of very sweet and like very lovely boy that got mercilessly teased for being homosexual, even though he isn't and it wouldn't be okay either way, but obviously it wouldn't be okay to tease him either way. But, um, he, I said to him the other yesterday when we were driving, I said, I've always thought of you as my most sensitive child. Like, do you think you're more sensitive than most people? And he thought about it and he said, yeah, but he said it with like so much pride that I was like, fuck yeah. Like it was quite the interesting, like he saw his sensitivity as something superior. And yeah. I, I was like, all right, that's really interesting. And as we've been talking about this, I've been thinking about that. So but now yeah. I have to read you the postcards and some of them are very funny. Okay. You ready? Yes. They cannot burn us. We were made from fire. That was my favorite. I right? love that one. It's really good. Riley will the page. <laughs> right. Um, luckily for me, I thought I was gonna have to buy myself one of these before I sent it to you, but there's double, there's only like 10 and then they're repeated. So I'm totally taking out half of them and sending it the other half. That's fair. So yeah the page I, mean, I, needs... I bought you a whole pack of your own post-its but it's totally fine if you're just gonna send me half <laughs> of the present that you got damn <laughs> i'm sorry and i used all my post-its up already over the summer they came with me to the hospital and i use them all the time the patriarchy needs the beauty standard because when you're um this is printed weird sorry the patriarchy needs the beauty standard because when you're focused on getting a beach body, you're too busy to think about smashing the system. Yeah. You know, um, who said, uh, what's her name? Um, mm, I can't think of her name right now. Uh, Glennon Doyle said that um, diet culture. I don't know who that is. Who's Glennon Doyle? Glennon, Glennon. She's Glennon. It's she one word, her. not Glenn and Doyle. It's not her name people. is her first name is Glennon. Okay. And her last name is Doyle. Okay, got it. She's an author. She wrote, um, you know who she is. If I showed you a picture, anyway. If Glennon <laughs> ever listens to our podcast, sorry, honey. I know who you are. Allie doesn't know anybody, but anyway. And everybody else. But I also don't know any pop culture, so it's fine. You don't have to be offended. She's not pop culture. She's an author. But anyway, she, said, she was talking about diet culture. And she said, um, that's more about... Uh, uh, how did she put it? Um, that a quietly, uh, uh, a starving, quietly mad population is more tractable. Say oh it again. God. You cut. I didn't. I. I a, a quiet. Star- a, a starving, quietly mad population is more tractable. Like it's about control. It's not even about you're not mm. paying attention to 
smash the system that you're actually so hungry that you're a little bit insane um, and you're much easier to control. Oh, she wrote Love Warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do know who she is. And then she also wrote um, Untamed. Untamed. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love. Carry On Warrior. Thoughts on the Untamed. Thoughts on an Untamed. All right. Then there's the grown ass lady. Yep. Um, This is why I bought this whole book. Behind every great woman is another great woman replying to her frantic text in the middle of the night. Thank you for being that woman, <laughs> especially so during the summer. <laughs> no doubt. That's so perfect. My phone's on do Turn not disturb, but if I get up to pee, I'll see if you text me. <laughs> right. Um, then they have like ladylike adjective, resilient, determined, engaged, disobedient, relentless like that. You should see my active bitch face. That's that one of my post-its. Didn't leave your plumbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, find, okay. This one I thought was kind of interesting. At first I was like, I like this. And I was like, I'm not sure. Finding yourself is not really how it works. You aren't a $10 bill in last winter's coat pocket. You are also not lost. Your true self is right here. Burned, buried under cultural conditioning, other people's opinions and inaccurate conclusions you drew as a child that became your beliefs about who you are. Finding yourself is actually returning to yourself and unlearning an excavation, a remembering who you were before the world got its hands on you. No, I, whole, I wholeheartedly love that one. Yeah, did Isn't they it attribute that? Yes, I've read, I've heard that before actually, and I love it. Did they attribute It's not that? attributed. Because oh, somebody, somebody, like somebody said it. It's a fame, I mean, obviously somebody said it, but it's a famous quote, especially like you're not a $10 bill. No, I don't know. And we talked about right. that, about like becoming and re-becoming and. Okay. There's one with a snake on it, like kind of a little tiny bit reminiscent of like the yellow snake flags. And it says underestimate us at your peril, which I think is fantastic. That and is. for this one, which I wouldn't read unless somebody's OCD and counting that just says burn it all down, which I'm highly not in favor of that. But this is this is the best one. You know why weak men are afraid of strong, smart, connected women? Because they fucking should be. <laughs> that was awesome. like, you know why they're scared? Because damn it, that's exactly what should be happening. Because we're actually scary as hell. Scary as hell. I love it. I love it. Okay. Right. It's good. And I'm sorry I had to tell you about your present ahead of time, but I was like, I really want to talk about this. And so no. here you go. And it's so good because we had like a little tiny germ of an idea of what we were going to talk about. And we haven't even really talked about it yet. And we we're like, I don't know, do we have enough time? And I don't even know how long it's been. <laughs> I know. I kind of feel like we should put a pin because we've been recording for at least 40 minutes or so. So I feel like we should pin and then resume with our, with the other topic that we were going to talk about. Um, I don't know. I want to talk about it in the context right. of this. Um, Go ahead. I don't care. We'll just have to talk about it shorter. We'll just talk about it. So, um, because I think it really fits into this whole, like, I mean, we can leave off the final bit and talk about it more later, but I think it fits into this whole idea of like, what actually is the patriarchy? What actually is the problem? Because it's okay, so Okay, I do agree with you. It's so much more complicated than men, good women, bad. Like that is such a, that, that lacks nuance is a nice way to say it. 
Um, I'm just wondering when people are listening to this podcast, if they get to this part and they're like, oh, I thought it was over. Or if they're like, yes, there's still going to be more. I better be that. I hope or so. Or play it on double speed. I hope so. All right. <laughs> I even I play it on double speed. I, <laughs> I posted a few weeks ago on Facebook. I said that, or maybe probably months ago at this point, the highest compliment I can pay an author is to listen to their audiobook on, on normal speed. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I listen to that very often. I agree. I listen to fiction on normal speed. Um, yes, because that's more like that'd be like fast yeah. forwarding through a movie, right? Right. Um, and then some books that are just so beautiful, or the person reading it is just just so lovely. Um, okay, so this is what we were going to talk about, which is a germ of an idea, and it fits perfectly into this idea of what actually is the problem with a patriarchy, the patriarchy, or even what is the problem of capitalism as it currently exists. Cause we talked about on the last podcast that if Adam Smith lived today, he would probably write his same book, which was the origin of capitalism, which is supposed to be all about like the consumer and the worker. In fact, I think if he wrote his book today, the wealth of nations, people would call him a communist um, inside That's the really current, current cultural soup. Um, so we've been rewatching Deadwood, which I also mentioned last week. Um, and you said you were going to, which I still with- haven't watched. Okay. Oh, I'm going so to good. No, I'm sorry. I, I have, we have been finishing watching. Okay. In all fairness, we're still watching the succession or whatever I miscall yeah. it. And then also the, um, shit, what's the new one we've been waiting and waiting for, um, about Montana, the Yellowstone finally came out with season four. So we had to obsessively watch the first episodes of that, but now you can go back and watch Deadwood, which is also well, it's not set in Montana, but it starts in Montana. Okay. Um. So. Um. Oh, you're watching Deadwood. Make, yeah, I was going to make a joke for you. Okay, Did you guys please. ever watch Parks and Rec? You know, I didn't. I, I tried, but I couldn't get into it. I only watched like two. You have to kind of watch it. Like, it takes some five. Maybe or six I can watch episodes. the first episodes on double speed. <laughs> you, you, like, you kind of have to watch those to know who people are. But they tinkered the characters so much that by about episode five or six, the characters aren't even the same, really. Oh, okay, I understand. But what I was going to say is to keep this inside the fact that the ladies' room often gets a little bit naughty. If it sweetens <laughs> the pot for you, you get to see Ron Swanson's penis. I don't know who Ron Swanson is. He's one of the people in Parks and Rec. Um, Nick Offerman. (sighs) But it's funny because we were watching um, we were watching Parks and Rec and then I heard that Nick Offerman was in Deadwood and I'm like, I don't remember him in Deadwood. And then I googled Nick Offerman Deadwood and the first picture was like a full frontal nude picture of him like shaking his dink at the picture, at the camera. Oh my god! And I was like, okay, well, I've now seen Ron Swanson's penis and I can't unsee it. And Was that in Deadwood? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he has a really minor part. And um, like the the main protect, I don't even want to say protagonist, like the main antagonist, I guess, of Deadwood, like all of the people, half of them run brothels because that's part of what was happening right then. So there's yeah. a scene where he does something and they like give him a freebie or whatever. And so he comes in and he's like screaming about how great it was. And he's totally naked and shaking his dick. And 
when I Googled <laughs> Nick Offerman Deadwood, I was not expecting that. Expecting that one. No. All right. Well, fair so, warning for anybody who Googles. Fair warning. Um, so anyway, it is the ladies' room, so I can say stuff like that. It was pretty funny. But anyway. Of course. So Deadwood is set in the gold rush. But you probably won't link it in the show notes. The picture of Nick Offerman's penis. No. <laughs> you can Google for it yourself if you want to see it. Um, it was just not what I was expecting. It's like yes. the last, it's like uh the time that I was at work in the early internet days and it was snowing. I was living in Maryland, it was snowing, and so I didn't have appropriate snow gear. And so I was wondering if the sporting goods store across the street had any boots for sale. And I thought it was snowing bad enough that I didn't want to drive over to the other parking lot. Like it was way across like a highway. And I didn't know, I didn't want to drive over there unless I knew for sure they had boots. So I'm like, okay, I'll go to their website and I'll see if they have boots. And this was early internet. So even at work, you would like type in a website and then go do something else and give it, you know, a few seconds to load. And at the time, the sporting goods store did not own the URL dicks.com. Um, and so I typed in dicks.com, dicks sporting goods, right? Dicks.com. And I right. looked away from my computer to do something. And I looked back <laughs> to my computer and it was in fact, gay porn site. And it was the most weird out of context moment at work that I've ever experienced. <laughs> it was like the last, so it's rapidly closing pop-ups and tabs as fast as I could <laughs> call IT oh and let them know. I'm sorry. I That's didn't hilarious. Look at That's what I was work. going for. <laughs> I just wanted to know if Dick Sporting Goods had boots. They own that. <laughs> they own that URL now, but they didn't at the time. That's fantastic. And you can just <laughs> picture the like super awkward, like, <laughs> And and it was back in pop-up time too, right? Where any site you went to would just like pop stuff up all over your screen. So yeah, it was not what I was expecting on my little Dell laptop at work. Okay. Anyway, so Deadwood, it's set during the gold rush in the Dakotas. And it was um, Dakota territory, not yet officially part of the United States. In fact, um, there was kind of a backward, a back burner storyline where um, they're actually negotiating with um, the Native Americans about the land as part of kind of comes into the story of like some people are trying to get annexed into the United States or whatever, but it's right. it's literally the Wild West, right? Um, so they're, they have kind of not really a rule of law, like they're trying really hard to intentionally not set up any kind of law because they don't want the United States to say, oh, excuse us, we didn't know that you wanted to be a sovereign nation. They want the United States to annex their territory. So right. anyway, they're um, like most of the people there are prospectors. There's like people who come out to prospect for the gold and then all the people who come out to sell them goods and services. It's basically the whole town. Okay. And it's a little bit of a spoiler that partway through the second season, um, George Hurst, who's a real person, starts to come on the scene as a character. And he was, I don't know a ton about him historically. I'll be quite honest, pretty much everything I know about him, I know from Deadwood and then reading his Wikipedia page to make Deadwood make more sense. Like it, <laughs> it's even worse. At least than, you read the Wikipedia page. Good I job. read some of it and it was years <laughs> ago, right? So anyway, he was like a big mogul at the time 
tons of money, tons of power. And this is what's interesting because he, he is a power consolidator and he was a real guy. Um, and he was well known for using like violence. And um, there's a, there was a group called the Pinkertons who were like, mm-hmm. like, do you know, do you know about the Pinkertons? Yeah, that sounds familiar. Oh, that's funny. You know, the Pinkertons, but not Glenn and Doyle. Well, I know a lot more about history than I do about current right. anything. So anyway, they were kind of like... I'm not dumb. I just don't know pop culture. Like, <laughs> are most of the words you use that have lots of syllables. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> one of my friends, are maybe our biggest fan, who we still send a present, recently said like one of her favorite things is when I ask all my dumb questions. So I felt really like, oh, good. I'm just going to keep going. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that a contribution. Is. Um, <laughs> it's terrible okay little squirrel again the other day uh, right now um I was on reddit like I always am and mm-hmm. um someone said some someone posted something about this game that I play about how unlikely it is that um the, none of the characters have the same birthday like they actually posted the statistics of it and then someone else said something about it that like related to the game but also had a math pun in it and I actually oh, had to ask no. them like is this a math joke? It feels like a math joke. Am I just being a dork? And the person's like, I wish it was. I'm not that smart. And I said, oh, I'll go into dork corner by myself then. And they're like, no, I'm more dork. And no, it was fine. And I, I linked, I said, I linked to the Wikipedia page about the math thing. And I said, this is the joke I thought that you were making. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's so good. I wish it had been on purpose. I'm like, well, we'll just say that it was on purpose because it was so perfect. Um, anyway, so getting back you're to such an adorable dork Lynn. right right no, it was everybody needs dork. one all right so anyway the pinkertons they were like hired muscle basically um okay so uh anyway so george hurst gets wind of you know there's this rich vein of gold that all these people are prospecting so he sends some advanced guy and one of the first things he does is he spreads all these rumors that the gold claims are going to be invalidated and like taken over and auctioned off by the government. So of course, a bunch of people immediately start selling their claims at rock bottom prices. Cause they're afraid, you know, we're going to lose it. So I might as well take whatever I can get. And right. really it wasn't true. And he just wants to consolidate all the land so he can set up a huge mine rather than like panning the surface or whatever. And they do a lot of that. And then his advanced man writes a letter and, this letter really struck me. And I think only because you and I have been talking so much about what you're about in the world, the 5 billion entrepreneurs, this idea. I know of when like, you told me this story, I was secretly very proud. That <laughs> yeah, this because, is what you thought about. Well, I, I it would have, I've, I've watched Deadwood before and it never occurred to me. And now this rewatch, since we've started talking about it, it landed totally differently. So it's a hundred percent because of the context of ownership culture that you gave. But, um, he's writing a letter and it, it, they were using the, the style where like someone is doing a voiceover narration and then they're showing, mm-hmm. you know, a scene. So the scene that they're showing is all these guys who've been down in the mines and they're completely naked and they're getting like showered down um, mm-hmm. because people would go in the mines and they would like put gold dust it's so like, dirty in their hair yeah. and stuff, but they would put it in their hair on purpose and like oh, hide it, you know, up their butt and stuff. And so they would shower <laughs> them down to get all the gold dust out basically. Um, wow. and like someone ran, someone got caught and ran and gets killed. So while this guy's narrating his letter to the, to Hirsch, um, this is what's happening. Right. 
And the line that stuck out, stood, stood out, stuck out. <laughs> I got stuck between stood out and stuck <laughs> out. The line that stood out to me is he says something along the lines of, um, I can't remember exactly how he said it, but basically like we now have moved from mostly prospectors to mostly employees. So not only did they get all of these people who had been working basically as entrepreneurs, right? Little micro owners Mm -hmm. of these little places, but they've turned them into employees and their employment terms are so hideous because there's another story where someone's like, oh, I know who you are. You know, you set up unsafe mines. Like he does just the bare minimum to keep the The early mining culture is why a huge reason we have um, labor unions today. Right. Horrific. Right. And then in parallel to that, um, they had the brothels, like I said, but in, because as they start bringing in more workers, you know, who work with lower and lower wages, they start importing, um, prostitutes from China and they treat them worse than animals. Like they barely feed them and they charge almost nothing, you know, for their services. And when one of them dies of starvation, they just bring another truckload of them over. Like, absolutely horrific like and a and a cascading of horrificness right like right now they've turned all these owners into workers they're paying them almost nothing their income can't support um you know the the stuff that they would buy in the camp as an owner like as a prospector i mean not that human trafficking Mm -hmm. is ever great but (laughs) like the um the owners of the brothels had the doctor coming in to check them out and making sure that they're healthy and clean and well-fed and happy as much as, you know, they can be happy, like basically taking reasonable care of them. Um, and that's expensive, right? So cutting the price, it's, I feel awful talking about this because it's human trafficking. It's, <laughs> Lynn, it's terrible. terrible. It's terrible, <laughs> but like, they would have to cut. So they were paying almost nothing to care for these women in order to say, okay, you can have a prostitute for like a quarter instead of $5. Um, and so it sets up this like downward spiral, spiral of misery, but it all goes back to that origin point of we've changed, um, individual prospectors into employees. Like that was his goal, right? Like this labor is super valuable. Not, I want not only the land, but I also want all the labor of these experienced miners, but I'm going to turn them into my employees all for the sake of enriching one person rather than that value getting spread across. So like squeezing as hard as they could down the value of the labor of the miners Mm -hmm so that they take just like a pittance away. And then most of the value is concentrated up to this one guy. And that is really, it's not capitalism as a system. It's that it's been twisted. Just like this guy went into a system that was working pretty well and then figured out how to exploit it for his own gain um, and spreads human misery, like in a cascade. But what's so interesting to me is it never would have occurred to me without talking to you that moving from an ownership culture to an employee culture is what caused all of that. Well, and in, and an exploitative employee culture, especially like he didn't come in and say, let's figure out a mutually beneficial exchange. No. And it does make you wonder like the course of, of history, like all the rippling you know, everything that happened as a result of those kinds of decisions and 
And certainly there was a culture, you know, for it, but it is really interesting. And I think, you know, the thing to be responsible for today, like I already said to you, was we can't just wholeheartedly tear it all down either because the people who just want to tear down capitalism or the quote establishment is what I usually hear. Um, It's just as dumb of a comment as, you know, it's just as much of a travesty because we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're doing, we're likely to commit the same atrocities and the same mistakes and not make any real progress. Right. Yeah. And there actually is um, one of the subreddits that I follow is called anti-work. And a lot of it is sharing stories of horrible exploitation. Well, they're, um, like basically fuck this system, which I, I agree with they're mostly, they share stories of just ridiculous exploitation of people, like people being treated so shitty. Like someone shared, um, that they got in trouble for, um, the, the company had Keurig, Keurig machines. And if you wanted a Keurig cup, you had to pay like 50 cents and they brought in their own cups. And like some middle manager was like, you're stealing company water and blah, 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 which isn't even oh legal. My gosh. Like an employer right, right. has to provide you potable water. Like that's one of the, the rules of labor employment, but just bullshit stories of like people working, you know, 10 and 10 days in a row with no break and double shifts and no overtime and blah, blah, blah. But there's a, a sub conversation among that. Which, which I think that it's good that those abuses come to light, right? Like a lot of this, yeah, of um, course. nobody wants to work. It's like, ah, oh, no, it turns out we've been un- underpaying service staff for decades and we need to stop. We need to pay people what they're worth and um, maybe getting away from a tipping culture, which is a conversation for another day. But there's like a side conversation in this sub of like communism is better. But the thing is, is like George Hurst, in a communist system would have been exactly the same guy, right? Mm, he would have yeah. figured out how to, how to exploit that to his. And really what there is, is to get to, this is why it's been so interesting to read the wealth of nations or not read, to study the wealth <laughs> of nations. Um, because that's the 600 page thing you were talking about right? last week, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, almost, making sure. I'm almost through the accent book that I didn't like, but um, that's what's been so interesting is that his proposal was much more about fair exchange of value than communism or what we currently experience as capitalism. What he invented was brilliant. And yet what we're living in is like inside the patriarchy and colonialism who took it and was like, Hey, I could figure out how to use that to enrich myself, but it's a bastardization of his idea, which is um, like a fair exchange of value from person to person. Um, because even if George Hurst, like to use that example, again, if he wanted to turn and have employees like to legally buy the whatever and have employees, if there was a fair value exchange, there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem was there was no fair value exchange. He was just trying to concentrate the resources to one, one person to himself. All right. Good job. I think it was an (laughs) excellent example. And before we put a final pin in it. No, it really was a good example. And it is exactly like, this is the thought work and thinking that needs to happen around it. But I'm also dying to tell you that right before we got on the call, I was eating some saltines. And because I got my third COVID, you know, whatever booster yesterday. And um, I wasn't feeling or the day before, so I wasn't feeling amazing. And then a fat baby apparently decided like he needed some saltines, but I did not give him a saltine because we don't feed the 
cat people food. And just now I had a saltine on my desk. He jumped up, stole it and like ran under like the little cabinet thing with the saltine. I was like, oh, I can't believe this is actually happening. Cat baby's a saltine thief. And that is a lot. Why does he want? And I moved it onto the counter. And now he's like sitting there like, I need this. Who feeds cats saltines? And also, that a thing? it's also a saltine. It's not really. But you know, cats can't taste sweet. I don't know if you knew that. They only can taste salt. No, there's other flavors than just salt, but they don't have sweet. They don't have taste. I thought every sweet. flavor was a blend of sweet and salty. Oh, bitter. I guess there's four. Never there's mind. Bitter and sour. And there's yeah. um, umami. Oh, there's I heard five. That. Yeah, yeah, he's really mad that I took his cracker away from <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, he's, he's, he's outraged and he's like stalking around. And then he's going to a scratching post that John thought he could train him to scratch on, but he just goes to when he's telling you he wants a treat. Like he's very unhappy. I'm sorry, Fatso. All yeah, right. They, I'm, I'm glad that in this deep conversation, you're like, I can't wait. <laughs> For my I'm like I can't even pay attention because the cat is stealing a saltine I'm sorry it was just I wish I had a video it was ridiculous because he went to a lot of effort and he doesn't like steal food I just was shocked we had a cat it was my grandparents cat but it it started out it started life as my kitten um, <laughs> everyone has those stories right like I had a cat and my parents gave it to grandma well ours was so um I was at a friend's house and her cat had kittens and my mom came to pick me up and I asked the obligatory question when you're eight years old and there's a kitten, can I have this kitten? And to my shock and amazement, um, my mom said, yes. And I almost didn't know what to do. Yeah, with I love this story. What's happening point. Right blank. in my what? head? You had this cat forever. What's happening? No. So um, I had her very briefly. And then my parents split up and we moved in with my grandparents for a while while my mom found a place for us to live. And then the place she found us to live didn't take pets. So, um, but what lived on was the fact that the cat was named by a young girl. And so her name was Puff because (laughs) whatever. Um, But Puff lived with my grandma and grandpa until she was 20 something. In fact, she outlived my grandfather. And, um, she and my grandfather were super close. They used to play games together. They had um, a couple different games where like he would hide below this. There was like a step down into the living room, uh, to the family room, I mean. And he would crouch behind that, below that step. And then she would like pounce on him. And then she would hide around the corner and he would like sneak up and she would pounce on him. They play all these games. Um, but I w- I'm telling this because cats can't taste sweet. But this cat, my grandfather used to feed her human food because he spoiled her horribly um, and grandma. she loved pancakes but only <laughs> oh only with butter and syrup like if you gave her a regular pancake she would just sit there and look at you you what? had to butter and syrup the pancake and then she's like okay this is acceptable oh man no she's I don't think that cat. anyone's gonna allow me to start feeding fat baby regular food like we got a harness for him so we could start taking him you know in the little enclosed courtyard um because when John goes to sit on the patio, which he does almost all waking hours that he's home, the cat just sits at the door and cries. So yeah. now whenever he goes, but anyway, so the whole point of that is just nobody is going to let me teach him anything extraordinary. But when fat baby goes on the porch, when he puts the harness on, he hates it. So he scrunches down and like kind of crawls like he doesn't have paws. 
like he only has paws and no legs like it's just along <laughs> so now even when he goes outside without the harness that's how he goes around like he's trained himself like this <laughs> so you walk outside <laughs> this is the outside walking um this cat all right um, i'm really i feel like really devalued your like very brilliant insight because i was so entertained by the cat cracker situation i'm really it's sorry fine. About that. it's fine but i have to tell one more puff story before we wrap okay. it up so she was the most indulgent cat I've ever seen as far as like, no matter how old she got, any child or baby that played with her, no matter what they did, she would not scratch <laughs> her bite. Like no matter oh, what no. they did, she just put up with everything. And when we first got her, we used to dress her up in doll clothes and put her to bed in our baby cradle <laughs> and she would just sleep in there. She'd oh be my in a, gosh, that's She'd so be great. in a dress covered up with a little blanket, sound asleep in the baby, in the doll wow. cradle. I put a bonnet on that baby on Easter and he wasn't having any of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> Bobcha has two Yorkies and there's a picture she has from a new year's party where one's in a little tuxedo and the other's in like a little dress. And they're like, this is humiliating <laughs> for both. <laughs> That's fantastic. I was kind of hoping that if that baby got used to the harness, I could start putting little coats on him. I saw this week. A picture of um to prevent frostbite um farmers put earmuffs on their calves sometimes and yeah they were pretty freaking that cute. doesn't happen that often so cute because i've never seen in all my years in montana a single calf in earmuffs they were tiny though i think these were calves that were like still you know not outside yet. yeah no <laughs> not preemies but like little baby ones you know who are you know mostly... what they call those lynn veal no veal is much bigger <laughs> I'm no, veal is like hundreds of pounds. Yes, I know. Um, it's All not right. worth to slaughter a little baby calf. No, no, no. You gotta fatten them up. Baby a calves bit. are not that. Yeah, that's true. You gotta keep them in a little pen and fatten them up. We don't eat veal because it would make John cry. They're not really babies. Like if he saw a veal cow or if veal steer, he would not be able to tell the difference from an adult. But don't they not let veal walk around? Like, no, so that's... they don't get muscly. No, that's, that's like not true. Kobe beef or whatever that gets massaged. I don't know. No, it's they're just young. So I can eat baby cows and it's fine. I, yes. I remember one okay. time I had a friend who loved foie gras and she was oh, talking yeah, I one can't time. take that. Oh, yeah. That's awful. It's bad. Um, it's delicious. I can't believe we're going to end on this note when we could have ended on. That no, baby. this is funny. <laughs> this is funny. Story. This is actually funny because she was talking about how she doesn't eat veal. And she was saying all the reasons why she doesn't eat veal. And I go, but you love foie gras. And she goes, why? I go, no reason. That's fantastic. I didn't want to disillusion. Yeah, don't look that up. Yeah. That but no reason. I brought it up for no reason at all. <laughs> Just making That's conversation. Awesome. Don't, don't dishearten your friends. That's <laughs> don't tell them anything, Sam. Yeah. All right. Okay. So on that note, we'll end it and we will see you next time in the ladies room. <laughs> in the ladies room. Ciao. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to catch us in the ladies room. You can also find Lynn at A Spacious Life on Facebook, Instagram, and in Clubhouse. And find Allie at 5 Billion Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn and Instagram. Mm-hmm.